Good morning, brothers and sisters. It's Vicar Derek Kabilis, and I have a sermon for you today. Today, we celebrated the Feast of the Ascension here at the United Methodist Church of Uniontown. It's the, the holiday we have for when the resurrected Christ was ascended into heaven. Uh, when he uh, left us here on earth and and his body went back up into the sky somewhere. The gospel passage for today's sermon comes from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, which I will read you now. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many con convincing proofs that he was still alive. <clears throat> he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men, dressed in white, stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go. to preach to you this morning from the title, Can I Get a Witness? Can I Get a Witness? Would you please pray with me? And now, most holy and merciful God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask that the words of my mouth and that the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today, we celebrate something called the Ascension. Not one of the more popular holidays of the Christian cal calendar. Nevertheless, today is the day that, that we mark the Ascension of the resurrected Jesus back into heaven. Well, where is he going? <laughs> 
Why did Jesus leave? Why did he go? Oh, I know. I, I, I know the right answer is, but, but Vicar, he didn't leave. He's, he's right here in my heart. Very good. Nice answer. You can have an extra cookie after Sunday school. But seriously, why did he leave? I mean, call me crazy, but it, it seems to me that this whole salvation of the world thing would be a heck of a lot easier if he was still around. Imagine in, in, instead of clergy, instead of preachers and bishops and pope inst popes, instead of these, these vicars of Christ, we had the actual dude. The man himself, holes in his wrist, scars in his side, still healing folks, still bringing folks back from the dead, still, still teaching. We wouldn't have to rely on these old archaic scriptures anymore. Or these flawed preachers who don't know what they're talking about. He could publish a book or make some YouTube videos. Why not stick around? Why not lead the flock yourself? Why not be really and truly here? In the most basic sense of the word. Why did Jesus leave us? If you're a parent, I'm guessing you already know the answer to that question. Remember the first time you ever left your child at preschool or with grandma and grandpa for the night? Maybe they were calling your name or they were crying or, or reaching out for you or... Maybe they were just standing there glassy-eyed like they were too scared to move, confused, because you never turned around and walked away from them before. Some of you are like, oh, you mean do I remember the best day of my life? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's a little bittersweet for parents, but, but you know the, the struggle. You know the kids have pain in that moment. It hurts them. It scares them. Yet we turn right around and we leave anyway. But why? It's because you know that if these kids are going to grow, if they're going to become the man or the woman that they were meant to be, then you gotta put some space there between you, right? You gotta create some distance between you and them. You gotta give them room to explore, room to discover, room to fall down and, and skin their knee and get back up again. But if you're one of those helicopter parents always hovering right above where they are all the time, they're never going to realize their potential. They're never going to become who they were meant to become. We call it the, the glorious ascension, the moment when the resurrected Christ was, was taken up into heaven, heralded by the angels, riding on a cloud to take his place at the right hand of the Father. Well feels a little bit more like an abandonment sometimes. The moment 
the disciples lost the greatest thing that ever happened to them. When I was nine years old, I had to have an operation. And I remember very distinctly being in that little waiting room at Akron Children's Hospital with the clowns on the walls and I had my little footsie socks and my hairnet and my little gown that was open in the back. And then the nurse comes and and takes my hand and starts leading me away. And I remember looking back at my mom and, and seeing her crying because she could see that I was scared, but she knew she couldn't come with me. I wonder if Jesus was actually crying when he rose up to heaven. And we just couldn't see because his feet were in the way. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. That word witness, it's really interesting. In in Greek, it's the word martyros. It's where we get the word for for martyr, right? And and, and witness is a good translation, but you got to remember it's a judicial term. To witness in this sense doesn't just mean to view or to see or to stare at something. It actually means to see And then to give an account of what you've seen on behalf of someone else, like a like a witness in a in a courtroom. It's to see and then tell, usually for the sake of another person, usually for the sake of another desperate person, either simply because they've been um, accused of a crime or they're not actually physically present to give their testimony firsthand. But in the ancient world, being someone's witness, being their martyr, was a very dangerous thing. Because when you were their witness, in the eyes of the law, you became them. When you vouched for someone else, your destiny was intertwined with theirs. Any reward they would receive, you would receive also. But any punishment they would receive was also coming to you. Delante was a troubled kid. And at 15 years old, he had already been in prison for a third of his life for armed robbery. And he was seeking early release, which in the juvenile, which is the juvenile version of parole. And as, a, uh, as an associate chaplain in his prison, I, I got to know him in Bible study, and, and he was a great kid. He was our best student. He was on track to turning his life around. And then word came down that Delante wanted me to submit my testimony for him. He wanted me to be his witness. And at first I thought, hey, no problem. He's a great kid. I I, I love him to pieces. But then the more I thought about it, 
the more doubts I had, the more second thoughts came up in my mind. And I'm ashamed to say there was a moment when I, I told him, hey man, you know, I, I'm not sure about all this. I don't know if I know you well enough. I, I don't know if I can give a clear picture of who you are. I, 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 I just don't know if I should vouch for you. And he looked me straight in the eye with a look that will haunt me for the rest of my life. And he said, without your witness, I can't be free. Without your witness, I can't be free. You see, brothers and sisters, there is a whole world out there in bondage. They may not be behind bars and walls, but they are nevertheless locked up in their own cells. Cells of desperation. Cells of isolation bound in chains of, a, of addiction and loneliness and consumerism. Living without purpose or hope, or, or what's worse, living with hollow purpose and false hope. And without your witness. Without your testimony, they can't be free. Sure, you know what? Jesus may not be here to, in a physical sense to heal and instruct and, and to teach and to resurrect, but he has you. He has a witness. He has a martyr. Someone who can give his testimony and his teaching out to the world. See, that's, that's the whole plan here. That, that just like a parent on the first day of kindergarten, Jesus had to leave. Jesus had to turn around and, and, and walk away and put some distance there so that, that we could grow, so that we could change and, and transform and, and become our true selves. And do you know who our truest self is? Our truest self is him. And when we bear our witness, when we tell the world what Jesus has told us, when, when we do for the world what Jesus has done for us, then we not only become his witnesses, but in a sense, we become him. Did you know that the church has always taught that Christ was the only person in all of existence to have more than one body? That Jesus, in fact, has three bodies, believe it or not. There is what theologians call the actual body of Christ. This is the body that, that died and rose again and that ascended back into heaven with the disciples waving at his feet. And then there's what we call the sacramental body of Christ. This is the body of Christ that is made real in, in our communion practices and on our altar. But then there's a third body. It's called the mystical body of Christ. But it has another name called the church. And that somehow, 
All of us together, all across the world, when we add our collective witness, when, we, when, when, when you put together everything that we are and everything that we do and everything that we say and everything that we believe, somehow, by some mystery, the whole becomes greater than the sum of its parts. And mystically, we occupy the place of Christ in this world we fill the function that he filled for the three years of his ministry and we carry on his mission like he never left did you ever for those of you who are around my age do y'all remember voltron right the five lions that they come together and in, in, in somehow form this this super robot or even better yet Captain Planet, right? When the five kids would, would put their powers together, this new guy would emerge and, and he would save the day. That is our life together. That is our destiny. That, that, that when we combine who we are together in, in community that expands across the globe, we become the body of Christ for the sake of the world. Suddenly, two men in white robes stood beside them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up to heaven? Again, a witness is not someone who simply stares or sees or views or gazes. It's to see and then to tell, to experience and then to speak, we, we just love staring at stuff. Our culture is the all-time grand champion of staring, right? We stare at television, we stare at our phones, we stare at sports, we stare at the news, we stare and stare and stare. Heck, y'all are staring at me right now. We love to be captivated and mesmerized by the spectacle. But so often our staring is consumptive. We consume images and spectacles and sights. We look at something, we're entertained by it, and then we move on to look at something else. We change the channel, we open another website, whatever it is. But a witness, a witness sees without consuming. A witness sees, but in seeing, she receives. And then she takes what she received and she gives it to someone else. A witness doesn't just stare and gaze in view. A witness gathers. A witness perceives, and then she presents it to someone who needs it. Now, this is the point where a lot of folks get a little bit defensive. And they say, well, I, I witness with my actions. I let my life do the talking. Well, that's, that's totally cool. That's fine. That's great. But if that's the case... You better not be a jerk 
I was in a previous church, and I had this mean old man there. He was the kind of guy that, that they used to call an old cuss. Does that make sense? He was just resentful and irritated all the time like a villain out of a Dickens novel. And I preached a similar ser sermon to this one about witness and evangelism. And, and after the service, he got right up in my face and he said, You said that we got to tell people about Jesus. But I let my life do the talking. And in that moment, I could think, oh... That must be why a lot of people think Jesus is like Archie Bunker. <laughs> Here it is, folks. When, when, when it comes to being a witness, I think you should use your words. I think you should have a story to tell. I think you should take the time and figure out what you're going to say, the account that you're going to give. When someone asks you why you believe what you believe, why you're part of a church community, I think you should be able to narrate that for the world. But if that's too scary for you, if you are going to let your life do the talking, then your life Better not just talk, your life better sing. Your life better be an aria of justice and mercy and compassion. You better be the Pavarotti of generosity and patience and gratitude because that is the kind of witness our Christ deserves. I don't know about you, but I'm not there yet. My life isn't so much an aria as it is a hymn the church has never sung before. <laughs> but that's the thing about hymns, isn't it? If just one person stands up and starts to sing, then, then they're exposed. You can hear every bad note Every rhythm, every, every crack in their voice that isn't right. But if there's a choir, if there's a congregation, if there's a whole lot of voices joining together to sing the same song, to give the same testimony, each individual voice may not be that great. But when they're all together, Somehow a beat emerges, a melody rises, and the music itself starts to ascend, and our hearts with it. These words I offer to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining us for this podcast today. And I really hope if you are listening to us remotely um, and you're in town, I hope that you would come and pay a visit to us here at the United Methodist Church of Uniontown. We're right here on Route 91 
and our services start at 9.30 during the summer, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.